Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. My name is Jesse Rivera, and today my guest is Mr. Seth Draven from the band Killer Couture. He is a really cool dude, and this band is amazing. I think you will enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it so much that I went ahead and I put a Killer Couture song at the beginning of the podcast. The song at the beginning is called I Live, and then stick around to the very end because we will outro with what's left really cool sound uh there will be links to their band camp in the episode webpage. but dude come on just killer just google killer couture and you should be able to find it because they are very popular and they are very good and it's really good driving music so you should check out killer couture in the meantime check out the song titled i live followed by a conversation with mr seth draven and like I said, on the outro, there is another Killer Couture song, so stick around. Hey, if you're not doing anything on Monday evening, January 27th, why don't you come on down to the Callback Bar for a free show, a free show with a no-drink minimum. It is Johnny Taylor's storytelling class uh, graduation show, and I'm not even going to try to name everybody because I'm going to forget somebody and then you know how comics are. We're going to be hurt and then I'm going to feel guilty. So I'm not going to try to name everybody, uh, but Tina San Lucas and Alicia Davis and Janae Lovering, just a few of my best friends in the class and David Thorne and Johnny Taylor. Okay. See, here we go. I wasn't going to try to do it, but anyway, a lot of amazing people in this class. So many funny stories to be heard tomorrow night for free. In the meantime, here's something else that's free. My podcast with Seth Draven, but first, I live by Killer Couture. Thanks. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye.
grab your mics if you're on. I don't think you're on. I'll turn it on. You, yeah, you, there it is. You. Yeah. Check, check. Um, what's up, man? How are you? Happy Sunday. I'm pretty good. Happy Sunday to you, too. Do you work a nine-to-five, so like, is tomorrow a day off for you, or, or you don't have a traditional job like that? Uh, I work kind of part-time. Okay. It, uh, I'm a shelver at the library for now, so um, I'm pretty part-time. Before I ask you, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Seth Draven of uh, Killer Couture and sometimes stuff like Stab and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, various music projects and writings. <laughs> Gnarly. When you're shelving books at the library, how much time do you spend flipping through them? Oh, man. So most of my shifts are about four to five hours long. I'd say I spend like half an hour like just... <laughs> thumbing through books and like putting some aside that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go check that out. I was going to say, then do you spend like an hour after work, like looking at the stuff you marked or like, yep. And then I, I come home and I have like 10 things and I'd say maybe two out of 10 of those get read uh-huh. before they all get turned in again. And then, cause, cause with the other stuff, I'm like, I just have to come back down the line to it. Like I, I don't have the time to read these 10 books that all look amazing right now. <laughs> what, is, what is your go-to? Like if I'm, if I'm flipping through a stack of books, mm-hmm. uh, a book of, a book about photography is always going to get my attention. Yeah. What type of book will always get your attention? Oh man. Uh, sci-fi, um, biographies, memoirs, mostly memoirs. I love memoirs. Uh, yeah, photography books too, you know. What's a good memoir you've read? Mm, I really liked uh, "Tweak" by Nick Sheff. Uh, it's about his experience as a young man dealing with uh, addiction, and uh, he had another book written about it. And his dad, who was an author for the Rolling Stone, also wrote a book from his perspective of dealing with his son's addiction. That's interesting. What was what's his dad's name? David Chef. David, David Sheffield. Sheff- oh, Dave Sheffield. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I know it is Dave Sheffield. Yeah. 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 Okay. I I know I've read some of his stuff. When yeah. I, when I was growing up, uh let me sound like an old guy, okay, real quick. <laughs> Sonny, back in my day we didn't have the internet. <laughs> so I used to wait, uh and I didn't even have a Rolling Stone subscription. I waited every other Thursday for 7-Eleven to have the newest copy of Rolling Stone. Wow. And I'd rad. walk to 7-Eleven <laughs> with my $3. It was like two ninety five or something like that. And I sometimes I'd have to like ask my mom for a quarter for the taxes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure I asked my mom for all of it. but <laughs> uh, and, uh, and pick up my newest edition of Rolling Stone. And then I'd spend the next two weeks reading it front to back. Hell yeah. Just over and over. Looking yeah. at the pictures and so stuff. So when you yeah. say names like Dave Sheffield or like uh, uh, Frick, uh, Fricky or Anthony DeCurtis, um, uh, yeah. yeah, I know all those Rolling Stone writers. Yeah, Dave Sheffield's really the only one I know, and that's because of Nick's book. But, okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean. So did you read both the books to get both the perspectives, or did you only read the 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 original? Uh, I read both. Um, I read. Well, his son wrote one. He wrote Tweak. Uh, and then he wrote another one a couple years later or a few years later called We All Fall Down about him him relapsing. Oh, and it's no. like what has happened since Tweak. Uh-huh. But he's gotten Queen again. It's really interesting. It's like I think it really 
it does a lot in showing that you know addiction's very much a disease and it's like you know you sometimes relapsing is part of the treatment and it just oh wow absolutely it's just gotta you know so that stuff's gotta happen if you're gonna get through it you know get clean so that's interesting i've never heard somebody say that sometimes relapsing is part of the treatment but i know that like when i cleaned up like i um i i used to tell my my i used to tell my best friend because like she'd be like how many months jesse and i'd be like two months three months four months Mm -hmm. five months six months and she'd be like you're six months clean and i'm like no i'm six months since my last fuck up i'm gonna fuck up again yeah you know and like i would just say this i i'm this far in between fuck ups you mm-hmm. know but uh my last fuck up was 2005 so hey right on <laughs> I'm like 19 years i don't know i did the math the congrats other day. yeah since my last fuck up nice but i also heard somebody once say that um Every addict should think that your addiction's in the room next to you doing push-ups. Yeah, like totally. Just, just waiting for you to fuck up, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, sometimes relapsing is part of the truth. I yeah. remember, I never read Tweak, but I remember seeing it in a bookstore and picking it up for that reason. And the cover itself is like, uh, I know the cover of the hardback had uh, Tweak spelled out in lines. Yeah. Little lines of meth. Do you remember that? Does, is that uh, the copy I had the had? paperback, okay. so it, it didn't have that, but... Uh, Man, the stuff I shelve at the library sometimes, just because there's so much children's nonfiction out there now. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, you know, books put out to like talk to kid, you know, how to talk to your kids about so and so, or like exposing kids to these like more like adult, real world ideas. And uh, there was one newer children's nonfiction book that I kept having to shelve that just surprised me every time because. It's called, uh, it's like this, it's this thing, it's super thin, you know, uh-huh. it's like hard cover because, you know, kids bang books around and stuff and it's big like a picture book almost, but it's called, um, the opioid crisis. Oh my gosh. And then the cover is like a floor with like an arm laid out on it with like a needle next to it or <laughs> in it. And I was like. That, like, I can understand, like, having a book about that for a kid, but to have the cover be something that graphic yeah. and, like, you know, it's, like, that would be triggering for, like, an adult to see, you know, yeah, like, yeah. and then a kid, like, that's just, that's not going to do good things for their head, but, you know. That's gnarly. Yeah, it yeah. was. <laughs> um, talk to me about your music. So, okay, so I listened to uh so I believe you've got you've got three albums out. Your your yeah. band Killer Couture. Mm-hmm. Am I saying it right? Yeah, Killer Couture, yeah. Such a cool name. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to so um music is up on iTunes. You can get it. Yeah. And um I like the first I I listened to the first album and I listened to the last album and I I like them um to me it really sounds like um Nine Inch Nails Pretty Hate Machine. Not, not, not yeah. the fragile, not downward spiral, uh, not fixed, but it sounds like pretty hate machine. And which pound for pound is probably my favorite nine inch nails record. Cause it's, it's the, the only one I don't skip anything on, you yeah. know, like it's cause you know, there, I still like certain songs from like downward spiral or whatever, but like, uh, you know, there are still songs I skip over on those albums. Yeah, if I I'm think so. Like, like if I were if I were to to make a Nine Inch Nails playlist, like I could I could do 
pretty hate machine by itself, but from the right. other records, I can make a great playlist. Totally. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, is, is the band only you or how does how does it work? Uh, so I am the, uh, I do all of the synthesizers, drum machines, uh, things like that. I do some like percussion on scrap metal or whatever for recording okay. and live in that I do the vocals, the lead vocals and, um, and then Elliot plays the bass okay. live and now on recordings. There wasn't bass on recordings for a while. Gnarly. Um, and Zach plays the percussion and drums live, uh, and we all play it over those backing tracks and sing so it over So then the first stuff. album is only you doing all the instrumentation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very Nine Inch Nails then. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, they were always a huge influence on me, and I've been releasing things and albums under the name Killer Couture since I was about 13 or mm-hmm. 14, because it was 2012 when I started it, late okay. 2012. And... uh and we never played live or had anyone other than me and the band like uh until 2016 so yeah so when you're so when you're creating this stuff are you doing it for yourself for therapy or is like are you doing it with like cuz like that's got started be, off that way cuz it's got to be on the back of your mind too like i want to i want to put this on stage yeah yeah, yeah i cuz when I first started it, it was because I'd been trying to make electronic music, like just like techno stuff or like dubstep, and I just mm, wasn't good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I, I like <laughs> now I could go back and like write a pretty standard, you know, dubstep song, record, produce it, you know, but back then I didn't have the know how. And so my teaching myself how to use all those music programs like FL Studio and Mixcraft and uh, Pro Tools and GarageBand and stuff, uh, that as I as I learned how to use those, taught myself, I was fine. Like, I would end up writing and recording these songs that were more, like, industrial or just, uh, yeah, kind of more in that direction and less of a techno direction. And so I would... You know, I realized, like, holy shit, my techno's terrible. You know, uh-huh. like, I'm going to play to my strengths here and do what actually, like, means more to me anyway. Like, it's m- more fun to write, and it, yeah, it gets some of this bullshit out of my head. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, yeah. And, um, and, and the whole, and the whole do-it-yourself do vein, that, that the whole do-it-yourself lane that you're in, at what point did you realize, or did you not have to realize that, um, because I do a lot of my stuff is like do it yourself too, you know. Yeah. Like I, I, I record using Audacity. Yeah. But at some point I realized I'm gonna have to spend some money on a particular program or mm-hmm. on a particular like did you did you reach were, were those frustrations for you or were those triumphs for you? Uh, like where you realize, Oh, I'm gonna have to buy a good program for this or Yeah. Um for me it was I think I think I, I wouldn't be making I wouldn't have even started like making electronic music the way I did or when I did. I will have done eventually, I'm sure. But uh, if my friend from middle school in the summer between middle school and starting high school hadn't taught me 
how to torrent uh, software cracks. Oh, and here we go. So he sent me a pirated version of FL Studio. All right. Um, and I never would have thought about that. Yeah, and so it, it didn't work very well. It was like a bad, like, crack of the software. Like, it still asked me for my license all the time, and I didn't know how to usurp that. So eventually, um, I was like, you know what, screw it. Like, the... Like, I started to get my footing using the cracked version, but I didn't record anything on it. I installed the real version, and uh, my mom helped me pay, like, 200 bucks for, like, the smaller package of it. Okay. Um, so that I could use it legit. And, uh, yeah, and then I kind of used that in tandem with, like, freeware, like... But once programs. you had that, once you had that good piece of equipment, that yeah. you, like how much freedom did that give you, and how much? Did yeah, that that's true. Because you know, uh, I still have people who are like, "Hey, if you want like the super like nice edition of FL, like I can, you know, I can crack it for you." And I'm just like, I'm good, just because like with cracked stuff, it makes me nervous, <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. and it's like, I like to support these companies when I can, and. Uh, uh yeah, and sometimes the if it's a crack just doesn't run nearly as well as like the it'll get laggy or like there'll be more latency issues and stuff because it's broken a little bit. Uh when it's like, yeah, it's worth it to have it run really clean and have it so I can record something without having to worry about the program just crashing. That's so frustrating, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Even like with the fight last night, like mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine was like, dude, I can get you the website to just watch the fight and like just stream it. I'm like, I don't want it to go down in the middle of the fight. Like, I don't. Yeah. 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 I don't, <laughs> I don't want it to get to like the end of the fight and like right before the final punch or whatever, yeah. like have it like go be an ad for some like weird Russian yeah. porn site or exactly. something, you know? <laughs> that, that's great. So were all three of the of the band's records uh, all just you, or did did you finally have other musicians play? Um, so the very first kind of official release we did uh, is like not just me was, well, it was still just me on the recordings. It was the self titled Caricature release that uh, was on our Bandcamp, and we, I had, we had a friend offer to make tapes for us for it so oh great we actually got to do a cassette tape release which is awesome because those are expensive to make now but he was doing it diy and could do it on the cheap so uh-huh. uh and he just thought we were cool and was trying to start like a little indie uh like experimental label and yeah. um offered to dub some tapes for us if i sent him the files and was it a local d- guy design. yeah um great that's great yeah yeah he is in a band now called No More, which okay. is like grindcore, mincy, like noise stuff. Uh, and, um, but yeah, so that was really cool. That was like right after we had started playing live, but it was still just me on the recordings. Like, and at that time, it was only Elliot in the band and he was drumming. Um, and then, so that one, I don't know, that one's not up on Spotify, it's not up on iTunes. It, I'm not sure if it's even up on Bandcamp anymore, but a lot of people have it. Okay, that's um, awesome. But that one was just all me. And then on God Forgive the Children, our 2018 release, uh, that one was like 
That one had Zach and Elliot both drumming on it. Uh, no bass guitar. And so they were both drumming on it on a few songs. Um, so they were on that one and did backup vocals for like the cover of Kids in America that's on there and everything. And then on our newest album, What's Left, uh, they there's Elliot playing bass on there. There's me playing bass on there. There's Zach drumming on there. There's Zach doing backup vocals and Ellie doing backup vocals. So this has been, and also some of Zach's lyrics uh, in one of the songs too, and I've always been the main songwriter. So uh, it's kind of the one what? that's been the closest group effort. Was it hard to let go or was it was <laughs> it easy to invite in? Oh, it was very hard to let go. It's I, hard, right? He had to pester me for a while to get me to uh be open to that idea uh-huh. uh him and elliot both did because you know it started out as my baby that i started in my bedroom because no one else would play in a band with me you know yeah so I get it. like I get it. so uh and a lot of those early early songs are very personal to me and looking back the songwriting isn't great but it's like but it's mine yeah it was mine and i was like dealing with uh you know i was processing some you know abuse that i'd been through as a little kid and so my writing really helped me out with that and uh writing those songs did and so i'd just gotten so used to being at the at the controls for every aspect of the project Uh that it's like you know the original idea was to have me being the only constant member live and then like almost every time we played or for different stretches of time that we played have different uh guest people uh, coming in and doing the percussion live and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was hard for me to uh kind of like give up the reins there. I, I even I if it's it. for half of one song, you know, yeah. I um how about producing? Did you have to give up some reins on producing too? No, nah, not really. <laughs> I I do all I okay. do all the recording for uh, the project, so I'm like the studio engineer. Where do you, and guys, mixer. do you guys do you guys book a studio or do you guys record in a house? Uh, kind of wherever I, we recorded. Because it, it doesn't seem like you need a studio. No, we don't. Like That's we, awesome. uh, it is kind of just. Like, um, to record Elliot's bass parts, we drove up to San Mateo because that's where he's staying right now. And uh, we did it, and we recorded his parts in his dad's basement, you know. Oh, I bet um, your basement's got some good sound. Yeah. It, like, well, just dies, right? I think we just, uh, we actually just did a direct out from his amp into the... Oh, uh, okay. So it doesn't even matter. Into my iPad for that, yeah. And, That's um, sick. You went from the amp into the iPad, recorded it onto the onto, program? Yeah. Onto, I used GarageBand for that, uh, for... Anything that I'm not recording at my place, I just have GarageBand and I use a, I have a little preamp that uh, I can plug guitars into or microphones or whatever. Wow. So, um, so do some recording on the fly. I know we recorded uh, a local kind of legend musician, Ground Chuck. He has been in a lot of Sacramento bands over the years and, uh, um, he is a great drummer and percussionist and he's always been really into what we do. And, um, so 
we had him play some scrap metal percussion on like three songs from the album uh, mm-hmm. and we recorded his parts inside the colony um yep just down on stockton on an off date yep. yep and uh and yeah i think i think we also recorded a lot of zach's parts at out when we were up in san mateo for elliot's parts too and then there were some that like uh i wrote and added closer to when the album dropped and uh elliot couldn't get down to record the bass lines for it so i just played them myself uh but yeah i mean that's kind of the beauty of it is that uh you know god forbid something happens to one of the other guys you know i can usually (laughs) (laughs) handle it because i wrote it which is also in our reasons hard to let go of writing because it's like you know if i'm writing i don't have to worry about uh other people which you know in constant variables which is a I, dude, hard I know, way to look at a I, group project i know what you, <laughs> i know exactly what you're talking about man it's like everyone everyone like i, I guess that one of my favorite movies is hustle and flow mm-hmm. and he says everybody talks the talk but not everybody walks the walk yeah you know and and i know my boys walk the walk but like you know but part life of me gets that's in still the way too where, and sometimes life gets in the yeah. way shit happens you but, know but and don't we like we, we're constantly running into people like oh let me do this for you or let me do this for you or i yeah. got this we should work together we should do this and yeah. like it's a lot of like no yeah, it's a lot of like I'm gonna keep it. Like it, it yeah. took a while to get it to these three, to these like two other guys who were already my friends from childhood. Yeah, like, that's great they had to put in a lot of this, work. Yeah, like it's so great <laughs> that you've been able to do it this way. And yeah, it's and, um, it's uh it's certainly like rad that it's worked out uh, like that. So I'm, uh, I I grew up in Bakersfield, and I'm gonna humble brag real quick that Bakersfield has okay. an amazing music scene. Um, oh yeah, we've we've played down there. It's we were surprised. Where'd you actually. guys play? Jerry's? No, where's that? It's a pizza place with Jerry's this pizza. giant basement. Jerry's. Jerry's okay, pizza. yeah, Jerry's. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm gonna play you some Jerry I'm gonna play you some shit from Jerry's Pizza after okay, this. Right on. Gravity Riff. We uh we had yeah, we had some we played with like a, a black metal band uh-huh. there for someone's birthday show or something. So this is like recently, so I won't know who the ba- who the bands are anymore, but yeah, it, uh, but dude, Jerry's Pizza has been going off since the since the nineties. Oh yeah, that's what 90s. people were telling me because yeah. I, I when we got the show, I was like, yeah, I don't know, it's weird. We just got booked for this show in Bakersfield at some fucking pizza place, and everyone I talked to, because all my friends are like older scene musicians, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I played there like you know twenty years ago. <laughs> like yes, uh, that, <laughs> that place is actually really bitching, and it was like okay, cool, good. Yeah, <laughs> so I love Bakersfield's music scene, and you could on a, a like almost any night of the week, you could, you could, uh, you could see a band at Jerry's Pizza, then walk around the corner to Riley's, yeah, and see another band, and then walk down the street to Sandrini's and see another band, and walk around the corner, and now you're gonna see the lead singer from the first band drumming <laughs> in another band. And you know what I'm saying? Right, like, yeah. There's all this cross-pollination of, like, musicians like Cesario Garaza and, like, Jay Smith and, like, who just, like, play, like, in everybody's bands and each other's mm-hmm. bands, and, and it's a great music scene. Yeah. But what, just let me say that uh, that's the kind of that's that's the kind of mark that I set music scenes up to. And I'm really impressed with the the hard work that I see going on. 
in the Sacramento music scene. Oh yeah, it's a uh, the Sacramento music scene is its own beast. In yeah, a lot of ways. that's what I'm finding out. Uh, when I, I'm digging through the crates at uh, at uh, we both mentioned the record store uh, earlier. Phono Select. When I'm digging through the crates at Phono Select Record, I'll like hold something up and I'm like, "Who's this guy?" Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a and they'll start <laughs> telling me like these roots of all these Sacramento bands or like yeah, even like these roots of these Northern California bands, but really Sacramento like it's gotta it's you wouldn't think that because because it's not the Bay Area, you wouldn't think it would have as much uh art and music as it does but mm-hmm. the music scene here is just so like widespread in every like genre you know there's a great hip-hop scene yes there's a great you know punk rock scene like there's like there are for like certain shows where it's like you'd think it would be a real niche those are the shows that pack out venues the most uh-huh. uh you know so and you've got these venues that constantly support you guys yeah and you know they come and they go the last couple of years it's been it's almost looked like it's been drying up but oh, it's really but it's not it's uh-huh. just that um you know there's always places that are around for like five or ten years that make a big difference and then they have to close and then you know well, sooner or later another place comes well in. you know i see venues like holy diver that like yeah. book big names and then the next friday it's like a local band yeah holy diver is cool in that regard mm-hmm. um they could work on their sound as, <laughs> as far as i'm concerned but you but know uh, that going to you know that going into it though yeah like, yeah so you know that that you've got to make your adjustments too right yeah totally and we haven't played there for a while just because they uh, they like to have the opening bands. Like, if you want to open for a bigger band that's coming through, gotcha. You have to sell tickets for ah, it. A lot of venues do that, though. Yeah, yeah. and so it, it's part of the beast. But just for us, like, we eventually were like, you know what? Like, we don't want to deal with this because most of the people who yeah. are going to buy tickets for this show are going to buy them online anyway. And yep. like, so. Uh, and plus, if you got like three other bands on the bill and they're all hawking their own tickets too, and to the same group of friends, yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. So you know, it gets, and so eventually we were just like, you know what, like I'm, unless something really, really stellar comes along there, uh, we're not gonna try and hop on it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but it is a good venue, and I do love the local showcases they have. You know, because I've seen those you know the local showcases i've seen my friends bands on those who are just getting started they can be playing either depending on the week to a room of like two people or like 30 to 50 so it's uh it's kind of a gamble but it's still really great and it's a really great space for uh earlier bands too uh, as well as bigger mid-sized bands do you guys get a chance to do a lot of live shows or they're kind of like few and far between. Uh, we, we are almost we almost oversaturate the market. Um, really? Yeah, we have been told uh, by many different people that we are, and this is a humble brag, uh, but other people said it, not me, that we are one of the hardest working bands in Sacramento, uh, because we're just, you know, where there are some months where we have like two shows a week, you know, gnarly. Um. And there's there are some months like 
it usually goes like we'll have a couple months or a month where there's no shows and then a month where there's like one or two shows and then a month where it's like you know we have three shows in sac and then like a show in la and then like maybe a show in the bay so what's a what's a show day like for you because it looks like you really leave it all out on stage like a show day you're is not you're not going through the motions up there, my man. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you really get into it. And what, what's it? What's a show day like for you? And how exhausted are you at the end of the day? Um, you know, show days they can be pretty uh, pretty intense. Just because you know we have to have a pretty specific sound setup in order for us to sound as good as we do. So like, you know, there have been times where we've gone to play like a church in San Francisco Uh and like we're all stoked for that. And then we get there and there's like not even like a PA for example, you know, this isn't exactly how that happened, but like, Uh but things like that happen where it's like, not only uh, are they trying to run your vocals through like, you know, a tiny little amp, but like, it's like where where did you think the drum machine and synthesizer parts were gonna come from? Like they don't just materialize behind us while we play. Like yeah yeah. Um, so uh, so we have to we mostly like to work with venues that we've already worked with uh, or like sound people we've already worked with who know what it takes for one of our shows. It doesn't take a lot. It just you know we need like a. DI or two and like mm-hmm. some stage monitors, but that you know, with these DIY places, they can't afford that stuff most of the time. Yeah. So, uh, um, what did you think of the sound? Can you remember anything uh, specific about the sound when you played at Jerry's Pizza? Uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't great for us. Oh, but really? I think I think it's just the sound tech for the night had like not showed up. So the promoter was running sound as well as trying uh. to keep the show running. And I just really, he's a fucking rad promoter. Uh, Pablo Garcia down there in Bakersfield. If you're looking for a gig there, hit him up. And uh-huh. uh, I think it's called all inclusive entertainment. He books awesome. Everything from like black metal to like underground rap and hip hop. It's fucking sweet. And he, he just had Ghostface Killer at Jerry's or something like yeah. there recently. Yeah. Like he, there's a documentary about uh uh, uh the Bones Brigade about uh, oh yeah the Bakersfield sound and the machine. Uh, I hope I'm describing it right. Yeah, <laughs> I'll edit this out if I totally murder. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, there's there's a new documentary called The Bones Brigade that that talks about uh the Jerry Peach. Jerry's Pizza era that that whole time. Oh, I gotta check that out. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, because the sound for our set wasn't great, you know, but we we were happy because we were we got a bunch of free pizza and stuff. So it's good. And it was like it was like a weird like it was like a goth night and like so there was like upstairs, uh, kind of across from the bar in pizza area, there was like a room with its own DJ booth, like. And by room, I mean, like, it had, like, a sheet hanging or something, so you couldn't see as much. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, like, you could go in and, like, pay to get your ass flogged in it or something if you <laughs> wanted. And I went in there and watched for a while, and it was mostly just drunk redneck dudes who were like, oh, shit, yeah, I'll pay five bucks to 
get my butt whipped by this sexy goth lady at a pizza place, you know. Yeah. So um, I'd pay ten for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she That's was a deal. There was one she was leaning over me and trying to get me into it and I was just like, I'm good. Like I'm just <laughs> I'm just wa I, I like to watch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. What are you guys working on next? Are you guys going back? Probably not back in the studio just yet. You just released something on October 31st. Uh, you know, I've one of my resolutions for 2020 is to put out a shit ton more music. Oh, because great. we, for last year, we were all going through so much transition that it was a struggle to even get what's left out. And what's left is really, it's like four new songs one remix of an old song, one cover, and, like, three re-recordings of older songs. So it's not even, like, all new. It's, like, it was, like, four new songs and then some, like, studio work I had to do. And uh-huh. um, and so, you know, and I'm, I'm a part-time student. I'm a part-time employee. Uh, I got shows to play, too, you know, like, so just even finding the time to put that out was uh st- i was really fucking stressed yeah, out for so the like, end of the year like folks like us like we never rest like we never have a day off cuz yeah. like even though like he's like you haven't worked since thursday like motherfucker i've been <laughs> working since wednesday night when i got off work right yeah 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 i i find it i i got to really take care of like I really got to manage my time and I've got to be real aware that of that like time management. And I, I was terrible at that when I was like a younger teenager. Uh, uh-huh. My mom always gave me shit about it. She'd like buy me books, like, please just read this book on time management and like That's time great. budgeting and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was just like, no, like I, I don't fucking I don't care. Time. And, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And you know, so now I've kind of, now that I've been like, doing it for a few years i kind of i had to find a balance of like well here's how much energy and time i can put towards kc this week and here's how much time i can put towards friends and here's how much time and energy i can put towards work and stuff like that And it's really important too to like schedule a night i i i did it twice this week we're like uh, no comedy no nothing we're just gonna watch a movie we're yeah we're gonna watch the fights you know yeah yeah i i have a friend she comes over every wednesday we watch and we watch a few episodes of mr robot together she leaves you know (laughs) um but yeah i mean we get coffee and stuff sometimes outside of that but yeah it's like it's It's good to have nights yeah it's real important to have those days and those nights yeah and i love my alone time like back to what you were saying about the show day and stuff like it's usually yeah i'm usually stressing out over sound and everything and then like if i've booked the show then running it and making sure it's making enough money to pay the bands and everything um Uh and then usually by the time our set is over uh at the end of the night you know i just sometimes we go out to mel's and grab some food before going home but mel's diner yeah. Okay. Mel's cool. Diner on Thirtieth and J. If we're playing in Sac, there's a good chance you'll find us there afterwards. I like uh, uh, I like uh, Ink. I haven't been there. They're open late night too. Okay. Right yeah. on. Uh, it's like Ink Bar. Is that what it's called? Ink. It sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. But uh. But, but yeah, yeah. I love so Mel's. Yeah. A bunch. So we're either there or you know it's just straight home to smoke a bowl and play some video games and go to bed. You know, it's yeah. like got to decompress after because a lot of people. When we first started, you're so amped playing. afterwards, huh? 
Yeah, you know, and after, but at the same time, some of this, like, especially for the earlier shows when we were newer to performing and everything, uh, and letting that energy out on stage, I feel like a lot of people would come up and try to talk to us after the set, and they would try to talk to me as I'm, like, you know, coiling cables or whatever and trying to get our stuff off the stage as quickly as possible, and, like, and... I, you know, it's, it's like, I feel like some people might have thought that I was like a dick at first or something, uh-huh. but you know, it's like, I just put on makeup, took off half my clothes and yelled about like, you know, priests, like fucking creeping on kids for half an hour, <laughs> you know, like give me a, give me a, little bit give me a second to get back into my, <laughs> yeah into my sane headspace, you know, uh. So, but I've gotten better at like coming out of that, uh, you know, at the end of the night and being able to mingle and hang out with folks. But for a while there, it was like after sets, I was just like still in that headspace where I'm just amped and aggro and like, but lately I've been having a lot more fun on stage just because we, you know, it was always fun. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to get, right? It's like, but. At first, it was much more like I was just pissed off, you know? And so, like, I was having fun, but I was mostly just pissed off. And now it's like I'm as pissed off as the song is, but I'm mostly just having fun, like, sharing this moment with people. Uh, You know, especially on nights where there's, like, audience participation or when people already know the songs or something. Like, that's still fucking surreal to me. How dope is that, man? It's crazy. It's, like, really bizarre because, you know, some of that stuff is, like, I wrote that when I was 17 in my bedroom, you know, and I didn't know, like, anyone would ever give a shit about it, you know? I didn't know if it would ever see the light of day, and now there's, like, people who come to every show and they know every song or whatever. So uh, that's really cool, and it's just very... It's encouraging, you know? Well, because we start writing this shit because we feel alone or we feel anger, and then to have someone else be like, dude, I felt the exact same way, and, like, you're not alone. You're not... Yeah. It's it's so great to realize, okay, there's some light to this, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, because we there's a noticeable change from our earlier work where most of the songs are, they're, they're pretty pessimistic, you know, which is like part of that's just writing industrial music and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, over the past couple of years, there's been a major turn to focusing more on resilience. Like, yeah, this shit sucks. Like shit happens. Like, mm. uh, but we got to fucking come back from it yeah. and you know like yeah all this shit happened now what are you going to do about it like are you going to like you know that's great got to live you know and that's great seeing that your that your style is turning is evolving with you right yeah and it's still angry you know but it's a it's like a positive anger you well, know you it's know, yeah it's like it's we're really influenced actually by a lot of like uh old school like hardcore like seven seconds and gorilla biscuits and uh stuff like that where in like dag nasty where it's a lot of the songs are about like you know standing together and like just trying to better yourself so that's great yeah yeah i noticed like uh 
we're we're friends on Facebook, and I, I'm always talking about music and shit. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like your music taste is pretty eclectic, man. Like, uh, you you fuck with REM and shit. I do. Yeah. I do fuck with REM. Yeah. Pretty deeply. <laughs> That's great. But they they can be pretty dark. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like New Adventures in Hi Fi. I don't know if you know them well enough to know the albums, but like. Uh, I don't think I've heard that. I most mostly listen to Green and Document. But, oh uh, wow, Document's a great album. Yeah. Um, and I and see that's that's kind of like yeah that's a great era of REM. Yeah. Yeah. And then like other I've heard some of their they do a cover of Spiz Energy's Where's Captain Kirk. They did a cover of that like when they were first starting out and uh-huh. like it was a really shitty demo recording that they like sent out to like only the people in their fan club or something. Oh, those fan clubs. And so it showed up on YouTube somehow, and uh, and I love that original song. Pretty much anything that's on the Erg A Music War movie, uh, I love, like, you know, Devo and Magazine and... Oh, yeah, you uh, love Devo. Oh, yeah, I'm a spud boy. Really? <laughs> Tried and true. I, I didn't realize, like, how uh anarchistic uh devo really is like at its foundation oh yeah they're because you know once they get to that freedom of choice era you know a lot of people just see them for that uh but they've always had a much they've they have their own world that they've built pretty much but it's also our world Mm -hmm. you know and it's just they have their own characters they have like all these it's just amazing because they started out as like multimedia, like they were doing art, they were doing movies, yeah. they were doing music, and yeah. uh, and so there's just so much to get into with them that mm-hmm. like, you know, I dove deep when I was in like junior year and I heard the New Traditionalists album because I had liked them before that, you know, but like when I heard the New Traditionalists album, it that was right after Freedom of Choice and they were kind of doing a 180 and. Uh, going darker, like to kind of deter the people who got into Whip It from hearing it on MTV or like the, the you video know was sports. Great. That's why I first heard of them. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song and yeah. video. But that I, a lot of people after that were like, oh, they're like this fun kind of kitschy, like eighties band, not. you know. Yeah. And it's like they're like, no, we are fucked up. And so they put out new traditionalists, and that one is just it has things like going under and jerking back and forth on it. They're just like more songs about frustration and uh, like isolation and stuff like that. And kind of, you know, it, it's just, it's really interesting. I love all of their stuff. You know, yeah. I could talk. Uh, <laughs> I've thought about starting a Devo podcast. But you should that, do it. I might. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Don't ev- great, all man. my friends all my friends are sitting at home listening to this like don't fucking encourage him <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's I'm the sure last thing he needs roll their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great man yeah. um where can we find you on uh uh what what instagram should we point people towards uh like the bands or yours or what well I'll, I'll just name them all i got three there's uh at seth draven d-r-a-v-e-n uh-huh. Uh, that's my personal Instagram, and then there's the band's Instagram, which is at Killer Couture Band, and then uh, there is my Devo 
uh, only Instagram account. Shut up. Yeah. I didn't even know about this one. I'm going to follow it right now. Hold Called, on. Hold uh, on. I'm going to follow it right now. Give, yeah. me, give me just a second. <laughs> this is great. I love it. Uh, a Devo only Instagram. This guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, uh, I, I mean. Sur- okay. Tell me what to search. Uh, at new underscore traditional list. And it's just posts of my Devo collection stuff and like video clips of them and energy domes and laser discs and records and, you know. Oh, there you are. Yep. There I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm following it, man. Right on. Dude. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Hey, We're still going to hang out me. in a couple more minutes. I want to show you a couple of videos from uh, Jerry's pizza. Oh, yeah. Back from the so other